Welcome to Pittsburgh, the Steel City, home of the Pittsburgh Steelers and of Mr. Rogers. Many of us know Fred Rogers as the creator and star of the beloved children's TV show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. What you probably don't know is that Fred Rogers originally studied to be a minister at a bucolic little theological seminary nestled right in the heart of Pittsburgh's East End. It's at this same seminary where we meet David Middleton. My name is David Middleton. I'm the director of IT here at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. And this is the not uncommon story of an IT director at a small college tasked with leaving the safe confines of information technology for a whole nother beast, the physical security industry. But before we hear about how David tackled a massive security project and lived to tell about it, let's take a look at where he started. David's situation was not unlike many schools. They had a handful of disjointed card systems, new buildings mixed with old, and things like lab doors with a standalone lock that required its own access card. And most places still used metal keys. We could potentially have a student who would need, you know, a pile of keys and multiple cards just to just to do what they need to do. So that was certainly a challenge for us. The campus formed a committee to determine their needs. Safety and security quickly emerged as the primary focus. They had no unified way to quickly lock down campus. It was a manual process that required someone actually going and unlocking doors. This was obviously a safety concern to the school. For example, they worried about maintenance personnel being put in harm's way just to lock or unlock a door. But before they could move forward, the committee realized they needed a project manager. Since the project obviously involved technical aspects, the role quickly fell to David because... I'm responsible here for anything that plugs into a wall or has a circuit board in it or is technical in any way, shape, or form. You see, what's happening at this campus, and many others like it, is the technology associated with a door is shifting from being just mechanical in nature to having an electronic component. The problem is we're working with equipment that at one time fell neatly within their facilities department. But all the new technologies available are something facilities wasn't accustomed to dealing with. So along with running the entire IT organization for his campus, David now had to learn everything he could about physical security. And fast. Reading up on the different smart card technologies, um, reading up on different lock manufacturers, um, and just trying to get an idea as to what that market looks like. It was sort of me having to build the bridge over to where we were in the physical lock environment. Uh, and learning all that, which was challenging all by itself because it's almost a different language for IT folk. Welcome to Unlocked, a podcast series about the ups, downs, ins and outs of campus physical security. I'm your host, Brian Adolph. On the last episode of Unlocked, we talked about campus lockdown, emergency preparedness, and best practices of both for your school. If you haven't checked it out, I urge you to do so. It was a good one. But there are other types of preparedness that campus decision makers need to consider, specifically related to research and funding. In this episode of Unlocked, we dig a little deeper into David Middleton's security project and speak with a leading security expert to find out what kind of homework schools should be doing before starting a security project, and exactly why it seems so difficult to get a straight answer on how much all this new security is going to cost you. Stay tuned. So why is it so hard to get a ballpark price for door access? Is it a big conspiracy from the security industry? 
Shouldn't it be easy to tell me how much it costs to throw a lock on that door over there? Like you, I wonder this myself. So I did what any self-respecting podcast journalist would do. I asked. That is that is always the million-dollar question, Brian. And it's, and it's one that... Um you know, I think is very difficult to answer. And, and I'm sure some people are recoiling and saying, of course, you would say that. Uh, but there's so much that goes into it. And it's not just, um, you know, the cost of that door. That's Micah Carlson. He heads up the higher education group at Convergent Technologies, a systems integrator. Systems or security integrators are the people you as end users would deal with directly to install, train, support, and oftentimes purchase your physical security systems from. So if it's not just the cost of the door, what does go into it? You got to be thinking about all sorts of things with, um, you know, where's where is the server and software going to be located? What's the overhead required for that? What's the distance to each door? Um, what type of structure are we dealing with? Is it, you know, a ground up construction? Are we dealing with uh, concrete filled doors and frames? Um, are, what kind of condition is the facility in? You know, I mean, there's a lot of times, you know, in many campus and university settings, we're dealing with older construction where you're dealing with a lot of different uh, difficulties and issues. Oh, that's what goes into it. You know, again, people can give you estimates and those are out there and it's pretty easy to do. Um, but there's just so much more, I think, that goes into um, these types of installations and it requires a decent amount of due diligence because there is no one size fits all. Everything's custom in this industry. And, you know, it's it, it just requires a lot more legwork, I think, than um, than most the most end users are prepared for legwork. So you mean folks like David, who, along with their full time job of overseeing I.T. for the entire campus, now must become security experts. Well, yes. And in David's case, that's exactly what he did. He buckled down, did the research and wrote the RFP for the project. What happened is I became sort of a subject matter expert in that area. Uh, and then the group leaned on on me for that. I asked Micah about people in a similar position to David. If they found out they needed to take the lead on a physical security project, where exactly should they start? There's a number of things you can do. Um, you know, which departments need to be involved, which departments will be impacted, um, which departments perhaps have budget for this type of project. Uh, there are a few things on that end. And even walking the facility and doing a, a quality check on your own before you even start. Uh, again, if you've got um, legacy buildings or, or, or facilities that have been around for a long time, often, you know, they're not exactly ready for a new installation and those can create difficulties, um, especially when it comes to doors and access controls. If they're, um, if they've been cobbled together over the years or just through, you know, years of being involved with, you know, 18 to 21 year old students just getting, you know, beat up for lack of a better term. Um, things get out of alignment, um, hinges, you know, doors, locks, uh, all that stuff um, adds a huge amount of complication downstream and, and, you know, not only with timelines and budgets, but just the overall performance of the system. So I would be ready and aware of that ahead of time. Ideally, within your campus, you have staff or resources to do a quality check and determine some of the gotchas that may pop up during your project. If not, then a good place to start is to talk with a security expert in your area. Find someone who you can trust and that has your best interests at heart. This won't always be an easy task. Here's Micah again with some tips on that. Find somebody who lives and eats and breathes this stuff and they're, 
and they're in the industry. They're going to the shows, um, you know, the big security shows. They talk to the manufacturers. Um, they're studying the trends as far as um, where's the technology going? Where's the big money being spent? What are the standards? And this is exactly what David Middleton did. But as prepared as he was, he was still thrown a few surprises. We had to change out, you know, certain pan hardware to make sure that it was compatible. Um, we were also at the very exact same time doing uh, door replacements. So external doors and things like that were being replaced. Um, so that impacted timelines, you know, delivery times of doors, setup times of doors, um, all of those things came into play. And I would say that in general with a timeline, you know, add maybe another 50 or 60 percent than what you think, because you'll probably use it. And we did. Unexpected concerns like these can impact not only timelines, but also add to the total cost. Paying attention to finishes wasn't something that was really high on my initial thought process. Just the color of the lock alone can just immediately um, bring in all types of variables that weren't otherwise foreseen. Not thinking that uh, those things can cost quite a bit. Not only does that stretch the budget or you know have budget impacts in that it really stretches out the timeline. There are certain finishes where they're 8, 10, 12 weeks out for delivery. I would say, even though it seems more like a, a secondary issue, making sure you have the right finishes to match all the other hardware is something that's really important. Locking hardware, it's, it's very underappreciated, even just lock, locksmithing in general. It's a difficult thing, you know, cutting in locks, specifying the correct type of handles and finishes and alignment and, you know, everything that goes into those, it's not easy. So let's recap. Your campus needs a new or upgraded security system. Your resources are likely limited, and the world of physical security is shifting from mechanical to electronic and IP-based. And Mr. IT Director, you're up to bat. For the hero of our story, David Middleton, he not only had to do the research, but he also had to sell his committee on the system. It's pretty easy to say how much is the convenience of being able to get, you know, get in all the places that you need to with a single card and on the back of it having your library card on it as well, and these not being separate cards. What's that convenience worth? Well, you can put a number on that. That's that's probably pretty easy, you know, and you can you can look at a, you know, couple hundred thousand dollar project and say, yeah, I'm not sure that's a convenience wise. But when you look at it from the security angle and you say, if we can centrally lock down doors and it saves in a, in a terrible, terrible situation that we hope to never, ever, ever, ever have to use. If that situation saves one life, how much is that one life worth? And it was pretty, you know, at that point, it makes, you know, all the sense in the world. It's at this phase where many campus security projects stall. But David did his homework, did his due diligence, and successfully made the case. The project received the green light and initial funding was secured. However, as you might expect... Price was obviously a very large concern. I mean, it is not cheap to do locks. I think going into this and under normal circumstances, I would imagine that most people do not believe that locks are going to be expensive as they are. We now move on to the second portion of our show called, How Do I Pay for My System? Here's Micah Carlson from Convergent again with some helpful cost-reducing ideas, along with some unconventional benefits of physical security. Um, I made a quick list of a, of a couple things that I would look at and things that, again, are maybe off the beaten path of, of traditional thought. You know, like, number one, um, recruitment or retention for both students and faculty. Um, 
you know, some of these are soft costs, but some of them are hard. I mean, you could literally do a, an ROI calculation and figure out, you know, how, when do I get a full payback on this? Uh, another one would be cost controls for insurance or litigation. You know, I'm sure campuses find themselves with a number of, you know, slips and falls or issues, you know, um, who knows what in the parking lot or various places around campus. You can use security as a force multiplier for campus police and drive efficiencies out of that. You know, if you've got people going on guard tours or you spread out your force throughout campus at certain times or during certain events, you can um, do a lot more with enabling technologies to um, multiply that force. There's different compliant or audit processes throughout various departments that may benefit from it. Um, you can use security for um, environmental monitoring of you know labs or medical facilities, you know whether that be temperature alerts or humidity alerts or whatever require you know whatever requirements are um, for those types of things. Look for ways to automate. you know there's so many at the end of the day, security is just devices and data, okay? So there's a lot of automation you can do. I mean automating data data on the back end. Um, you know, scheduling rooms, scheduling labs, um, allowing access into certain areas at certain times, running reports, all those, you know, all those things, if you were to sit back and really um, quantify them, quantify the hard cost benefits, quantify even the soft cost benefits of, you know, reputation and branding. I mean, think of, think of, you know, that, I mean, I've heard that, you know, really a reputation or a brand is worth five times your overall revenue. Um, and, and there's calculations that can be done for that. And so there's a massive amount of, um, you know, really cost savings that should be looked at from these types of investments. And it just requires somebody to sit down and to think about that. Another way to help fund a large security project is to seek out the dual uses for your technology. For example, you can use your new security camera system to monitor for basic maintenance issues. Someone sitting in office can do periodic checks to look for leaks, vandalism, or other damages. Also, you should think about how you can use the ID card to do other things, like buy snacks. They're using it for payments in vending machines, in their bookstore, for laundry, uh, for meal plans, and in their, their cafeterias for dining, for print management, for you know, copy control, off-campus merchants, and really anywhere on campus that they'd want to have a student make a payment. That's Fred Emery. He heads up sales for the One Card Division of Heartland. And he's talking about the one card or campus card transaction system. Basically, it's using the campus card, the campus ID card or credential for, for various functions uh, on campus. With the campus one card system, schools can use the same security card for student conveniences. So tying the card to things like vending and off-campus merchants brings in new revenue streams, which can offset the costs of your security system. A security benefit to adding monetary value to the card is it can cut down on sharing between students. Now that their ID card has their money on it, students are less likely to loan their ID to a friend, letting them into a building that they might not belong in. We do see students really keeping their card more close to them because it's used so often. Uh, they may not have their driver's license or their wallet on them, but they're going to have that one card because it's utilized throughout campus. So the more touch points of the card and the more functions it has, it does make the card itself more valuable uh, in terms of something that they take with them, and which, which also increases then the expenditures and the deposits to, to the card. So if you find yourself in David's shoes, be prepared for a daunting task. But if you take the steps, do the research, and get a little creative with your options, you should be okay. 
Micah Carlson sums it up pretty well. I think the biggest challenge is is finding, you know, the most effective way to spend your dollar. You know, technology is changing, security is changing. There's all kinds of departments and people and constituencies involved. The threat is evolving. It's very difficult to know what the next issue will be. I mean, just turn on the news. Um, it, it's frightening. I don't know how you stop a lot of this stuff. Um, but there's ways to invest your money and knowing how and when and where to invest that to get the biggest impact. Um, I think it's probably the most difficult thing and it's a it's a big task, but you got to take it one step at a time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Unlocked. If you'd like to hear more, head on over to intelligentopenings.com slash unlocked. Unlocked is produced by Riveting FM. Thanks for listening.